It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. This is power. This is tradition. This is Talladega. The biggest party of NASCAR returns October 12th through 14th. Bring the whole family out to Talladega Super Speedway for the Kid VIP Experience. Kids 12 and under can choose from a number of great options behind the scenes, like guided garage tours, pre-race photo ops, and more. This is more than a race. This is Talladega. This is Spencer Boyd, driver of the number 76 Grunt Style Chevy Camaro, and listen to the pit stop with Tim Despain. Good evening from Talladega Super Speedway. I'm Tim Despain, alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson, which he's right outside of Richmond Raceway. Come off big weekend this past weekend for the Federated Ports Parts Auto 400 there at RIR. We have Stephen coming on just a moment. Like I said, I'm Tim Despain here in Talladega and Dega Nation. Uh, the crow flies about eight miles south of this 2.66 mile monster we call Talladega Super Speedway. As Grant Lynch always says, this is more than a race. This is Talladega. Let's go ahead and bring on the official reverend of the show out there on the West Coast, my good friend, Mr. Reverend Joe. Reverend, how you doing, brother? Not bad, but you better slow down. You're tripping over your tongue. I was getting a little antsy there. What? Thank you, Reverend. I'll sort of step back and <laughs> take a breath. Yeah. yeah. Take I didn't breath. notice that. <laughs> yes, sir. I did. I I, I was trying to spit all that out where I could bring you on because, you know, you're one of the most important things that we do every Tuesday. <laughs> uh, first thing I want to do is give out a shout-out to our friend Rob Street, who's hopefully listening from Nevada. That's, he's a photographer out there, and um, he's a short little guy, so I sent him a message to make sure he tuned in tonight, but I hope it didn't go over his head. That's funny, Rip. Uh, yeah, I know you and you and Rob, y'all are real big buddies. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm friends with Rob on Facebook. He does a he does a lot of good racing photography, and especially there at uh, at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, brother. Yeah, he does it at um, all the tracks there at Las Vegas, and he's a great guy. And you know, I met him a few years ago when I was telling somebody else about our radio show, and he popped up from the other cubicle and said, "Wait a minute." <laughs> We got talking. We've been friends ever since. I remember you telling me that story, Reverend. That's been about three or four years ago, if my knowledge is correct, or if my memory is correct. Yeah, something like that. But um, anyway, 
I know you got a lot going on tonight, and uh, Vegas was a lot of fun, a lot of great people out there. It was real good racing. And uh, our next stop is uh, Phoenix. Um, other than that, well, local stuff, but um, nothing traveling as far as I know, but you never know. These things pop up, so always open to a trip. Amen, Reverend. You know that. Yeah, Suzanne and I, we're going to venture off to Tottenham Super Speedway. It'll be our next uh, event two weeks this coming Sunday. And then our last event, we're going to – we finally – Finally stretching it out, we're gonna venture down to Homestead Miami Speedway. We're gonna uh gonna go down there for the cool. championship weekend. I can't wait for that. So uh it's gonna be a lot of good stuff going on, everyone. We got a lot of a lot of racing activity going on. Steven's covering a lot of stuff. He's probably gonna start covering a lot more. So uh uh the uh the uh the S D group and the pit stop radio and everybody involved, it seems like it just keeps getting better and better, Reverend. Well that's a good thing. So let me um get this party started with the opening prayer and let you guys get on with it. And then when you get a chance, uh, maybe after the show, give me a call and have a question for you. Yes, sir. Ten four. Lord, we come before you and we thank you so much for all you do for us in every way. I mean, who else would send his son to die for us so that we could get to heaven without having to pay for our sins? Bless us all. Bless all the racers. Be with all of our men and women that wear a uniform and run toward the fire and the trouble while the rest of us are running away. Keep the family safe and be with them all. Be with all of us in every way we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, Reverend Joe.
Reverend Joe, great invocation as always. Let everyone know where they can follow you at on social media and your website. Your website is on track with Jesus. I remember that because I check it out all the time, but you got the full, brother. Yes, sir. It's on trackwithjesus.org. Email address is on trackwithjesus at aol.com. Our um, website is open to you all the time. Uh, check it out. Send us an email anytime with your questions. You can always reach me on my phone at 951-232-7630. And you can find me on the social media sites at Rev Joe Bubbaco. And I think that's all of them. Well, if you didn't get them out tonight, you got many more Tuesday evenings. You can get them out, brother. You know that. Amen. God bless you Amen. guys. Have a great week. God bless, Reverend. Tell me, it's better we said hello, and I'll give you a ring as soon as we get done on this on this little talker right here. All right. Take care. All right. Take care, Reverend Joe. Official Reverend there of the Pit Stop Tennis Spanish, Stephen Wilson, Mr. Reverend Joe, out there on the West Coast in sunny Southern California. Let's bring on my good friend, CEO of SpeedwayDigest.com, Mr. Stephen Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble! Stephen Wilson, CEO of SpeedwayDigest.com. How you doing this evening, bro? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Well, good. I want to thank you for being on the standby. Uh, I wasn't going to really let everybody know what's going on, but I was having problems with the Internet here, and I don't know what happened. Uh, and you were sort of sending me some, uh, uh, what you always call it, you were sending me some stuff to check, but I call it Japanese. I didn't understand what it was, so I just started stuff and plugging it back up and it started working <laughs> yeah so that's, you know that's just an it joke um there's a show on netflix um called the it crowd and basically just follows these two it people around um it's a british comedy and they follow these two it guys around and they're inept um and technology illiterate boss and uh they, they, you know, every time that somebody calls, you know, they have this recording that, or you know, the 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 checklist of items, and the first thing is always, did you unplug it and plug it back in? You know, did, does it have power? Are you sure? Will you check it again? Seriously, check it again. You know, so it's, it's actually pretty funny. It's a lot of IT humor into it, and uh, I, I've been watching it over the last week or so. I'm going to have to let you send me that, that link. And to sort of give you a little bit of IT humor, too, Stephen, uh, my IT guy here, John, John Thor, you know, he's done the invocation a few times. My Reverend Joe couldn't come on. I'd be having problems about, uh, John, I can't get logged in. I can't get my password in there. I can't get everything. Is, is your number lock key mashed? And I looked, and I was like, 
John, you daggum genius. The number lock key was mashed. I mean, just simple stuff like that, Peter. <laughs> That's all the things like that that IT people go through, you know, 10 or 12 different things. And, you know, based on the situation, it's usually something like 10 or 12 or something odd number of things because there's, you know, uh, there's only so much that can go wrong with the computer and, you know, uh, time turning off, turn back on, we'll fix the problem. So. Yeah, that's right. As long as you don't delete my cookies, I'm going to keep my cookies on there. IT joke. But anyway, yeah. Stephen, uh, to let everybody know, the number to call in is 215-383-3681. I'm Tim to Spain, just south of 2.66-mile monster we call Talladega Super Speedway, and he is Stephen Wilson, CEO of SpeedwayDigest.com. Just right outside of the Richmond Raceway. We have coming up here shortly, uh, uh, announcer at MRN, uh, co-host of uh, Sirius XM NASCAR Channel 90, The Morning Drive with Pete Pistone. We've got Mike Bagley going to join us. He also does some TV stuff with NBC. And then coming up after Mike, we've got a driver of the number three, Childress Vineyards, Chevy Camaro in the NASCAR Experience Series. My good friend Shane Lee is going to stop by and, and uh, join us. But, Stephen, before we get to all that and before we talk about some breaking news, uh, you're fresh off your trip there from Richmond Raceway. Just after Dennis Bickmeyer and his and his crew and team doing all that, done all that renovation and stuff, just sort of let it uh, talk a little bit about how different Richmond looks if some of our listeners didn't get to go there this past weekend for the Federated Auto Parts 400 race weekend. Well, Richmond has really changed a lot. There's, um, you know, they started the $30 million renovation of the infield uh, a little over a year ago, and this weekend was the weekend that was finally finished. There was a lot of things that had already been done prior to this weekend and, uh, you know, hadn't been opened up yet. But... um, the the garages they're all brand new and they're they're similar to Daytona where you can walk within eight to ten feet of the car and the teams working within the shops. Um, there's a brand new media center that um, um, you know for for those of us in the media that uh, go to the tracks, it, it's a uh, brand new. It, it's probably about three times as big as it was before, maybe four times as big. Um, they're, um, you know, it, it really is a good change for them all around, and it's a good change for the track. They've added a lot of the DC solar fairgrounds there, which uh, brings more people into the infield, closer to the action, with many things to do um, in the infield. And, uh, you know, people can come in as early as the gates open and leave um, you know, it, it stays open up to an hour, hour and a half after the race. So there's a lot of things to do there. A lot of things have changed in that regard. Um, you know, $30 million to renovate a whole infield there has uh, really changed Richmond and the aspects of Richmond um, and the fan experience there. And there, you know, I think we had um, the former the on a year ago or something when this whole thing started. And, you know, their idea is they start from the inside and they're going to work their way out. And, uh, Stephen, uh, you mentioned something about Dennis Bickmeyer and them. Uh, they they started their, their deal before uh, Russell Brenham and Grant Lynch 
Grant Lynch's team here at Talladega Super Speedway. They're going to start theirs after this coming up race here in a couple of weeks, which you and Anne-Marie will be coming down also. They're, from what I understand from what we had Russell on a few weeks ago, which I attended that media deal there, it's called uh, Talladega Transformation. They're doing somewhat sort of to what Daytona did, but I think it's I think they're doing a little bit different. Uh, Richmond and uh, Talladega, they're doing something different than Daytona did. In the garage areas, you have nothing but a little three-foot chain-link fence to separate a fan from a race team. Am I correct, Stephen? Yeah, the, the fence is, I mean, it's on a raised platform, three, four feet tall, uh, and you, you're you literally within eight feet of the race cars. Um, you know, it, it brings a fan all the way up into... Uh, you know the 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 garage, and anybody with an infield pass or not necessarily just a hot pass or a cold pass, but anybody with a with the infield pass can now go through the garages and walk through. I think that's a good thing that NASCAR is doing for the sport too. You know, because a lot of talk shows and a lot of media stuff that you and I have listened to over the past four, five, six years, uh, the fans want closer access. Well, the fans are going to get closer access now. Uh, and a great job to NASCAR for doing that. You know, sticking ball sports, uh, quote my good friend Larry McReynolds, sticking ball sports, you don't get that close of that close of view to one of your to one of your stars, saying like a Aaron Aaron Rodgers uh, quarterback, a uh, Cam Newton at North Carolina. You don't get to stand within six feet and watch watch him warm up. But you get to stand within six feet in a, in a NASCAR Cup garage now at Richmond and Talladega, which like you do at Daytona, but Daytona's a little bit different. To watch your Kyle Bushes, your Martin Truex, your Kevin Harvest, you get to – it lets the fan get down there and see a lot of the Stephen that you and I, Forest Media members, get to see, but they don't. And, you know, we try to bring it to them on a weekly basis and let them know exactly what's going on. But I think it's a good deal. Now the fan can go down there and see – he can watch them change tires. He can watch them run the track bar up and down. There's a lot of stuff that goes on, but there's a lot of stuff that the fan won't be able to see. As far as they're going to try to keep that secret too, Steve. But I think it's I think it's a step in the right direction for uh, for NASCAR, especially going into this year, uh, the end of this year here, 2018, and coming up 2019, bro. Yeah, it is, and you know we're we're a sport that unfortunately at one point got away from the fans and we started moving things farther and farther away. Um, and now we're, we're reintroducing and, you know, we're reintroducing those fans back to the access that they once had before. Um, you know, these are things that every track and NASCAR and, uh, team sponsors and everybody, um, you know, are pushing for, you know, at, uh, you know, here coming, in the last couple of years and you know it's really been innovative in a lot of ways that we're seeing what tracks are doing to bring the fan closer and closer to the sport and to the drivers and to the cars and to the uh, um, um, uh, um, sorry the crews and the drivers and everybody that are working in the garage and that uh that just shows that the sport is is swinging back around um 
you know, back to that. And it's good that they're swinging back to that because we've unfortunately lost a, a fair share of fans in the sport, not only watching on TV, but coming to the racetrack. And I think anything that can be done to um, reintroduce these fans back into the sport is good. Is a good idea. I definitely agree, Stephen. Stephen, let's go ahead and welcome in our first guest of, of the night. Uh, announcer for MRN Radio, which has been there for years. I love listening to Mike Bagley's voice. Well, I didn't. I don't know the cat out of the bag. We we got Mike Bagley from MRN, the Morning Drive, co-host with uh, Pete Pistoni and NBC Sports. Let's bring in Mr. Mike Bagley to the pit stop with Timmy Spain and Stephen Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble! The one and only, Mr. Mike Bagley. Mike, how you doing this evening, brother? Doing great. How you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. I want to thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule, because I know you have a lot going on. But Theodore uh, and I, we were just talking about some of the upgrades up there at uh, at Richmond that that, that Dennis Spickmeyer and and his team put in there. And Stephen said it's, it it is unreal some of the infield stuff that they done up there at Richmond to enhance the uh, the uh, fan. The fan access too, Mike, just like Daytona has, and like Tile Digger here, my my home track and uh, uh, Mr. Russell Brenham and Grant Lynch are going to do next year. Uh, I want to get your take on exactly. Did we get a, just like Steve and I were, were were talking, Mike? Did did the sport and did we get away from the fans a little bit, or are we giving them actually giving them more access? Like I hear you talk on the morning drive, you don't some of the stick and ball sports, you don't get access six or eight feet with a chain link fence in front of a Kyle Bush or Kevin Harvick or anything like that, do you? No, no, you don't. Um, the interesting thing about what we're seeing now is we, I don't think we've gotten away from the fans at any point. I think what, um, what moves the, what moves the meter or moves the needle, I should say with the fans is they want more. Everybody wants more. Um, we as, as uh, you know, radio consumers, we want more of this. We want more of that. If we're, you know, a fan of television, we want to see more of certain things and less of certain others. If we go to spend money to go to a stadium to watch a ball game or a race, we want to be able to have Wi-Fi. We want to be able to, you know, get up and close and personal with the with the competitors and all that. Some in some sports, it's just not possible. Like I was at the Redskins Packers game over the weekend. And I, I just was standing around and observing the, the players and the fans, and the fans don't have anywhere near the access there like uh, our fans do in, in NASCAR. And I think that's what sets us apart, where if we can get the fan up close and personal, we, we have a very technical sport. So if we, can, if we can demonstrate how things work and how things are done and we can explain it, I think that that has um, the interest level in the fan escalates. And – just like not only 
not only getting access, but also uh, from a facility perspective, but also access to the participants like on social media, like on Twitter, like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, things like that. So I don't think we've necessarily gotten away from the fans. I just think that they want more, and that's what the sport has always been committed to delivering, and that's what they continue to deliver through such enhancements as what Dennis Bickmeyer and the crew at Richmond gave them this past weekend with the D.C. Solar Fangrounds. That's right, Mike, and I definitely agree. Just sort of give you a little background on a little background on me here at here at Talladega uh, in the '80s, uh, which I know you and I are about right at the same age, Mike. I'm not going to throw that out there, but uh, I got to <laughs> I got to check out a high school. It's sort of it's changed a lot, Mike, and I'm pretty sure you were around then. I got to uh, me and three other four more other of my classmates. We got to check out a high school and. Uh, we come to Talladega City Speedway. We we got to work for uh, for Enoch Saylor. We would set up in the back then the Union Seventy Six balls. We would spot, and I actually got to set up in the tower one time with uh, the late great Barney Hall and uh, Bucky. Uh, I'm probably sure you hadn't heard Bucky in a long time, and uh, it was just so neat sitting up there and seeing how everything has changed from then to now. I just wanted to. You know, sort of throw that out to let you know that I've been in it some point, Mike. But uh, what did uh, you say, Baki? What? Yes, Baki. And Jim, I was going to ask Jim you, Baco? and I don't, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to be. Uh, what's the? Uh, not politically correct on the radio, but I've been wanting to know what happened to Baki. I hate to ask it, Mike, but I hadn't seen Baki in a. I mean, uh, this was Baki back in the day, Mike. Oh, true. Um, I, um, I, I I asked about it because I have a funny story about Baki from, from Daytona. I used to do PR uh, a long time ago, and one of the problems that we had at Daytona back in the day is the fans would want to get up on the fence in the trial. Well, you don't need fans hanging off the fence. Well, ba- well Baki was up in the tower, and it was during IROC practice and all the practices. I mean, Baki was a mainstay up there in the tower. And and during the week when we would have practice like from Tuesday on, the PA mic would actually be moved into race control, and we would do the PA inside of the actual NASCAR control tower. And I remember my dad used to take the tower at Dover ice cream. He used to own an ice cream store in Dover, Delaware. Well, he would he would bring the whole tower, you know, ice cream. So MRM would get it. TV people would get it. Back then it was TNN. And the NASCAR officials, well, Baki was one of those guys. Well, I was never Mike Bagley or Bagman or Bags to him. He always called me Vanilla. <laughs> I don't know why. But I'm sitting in the tower, and one day we had some fans down on the fence and just turned at me in that gruff, Baki voice, Vanilla, get them off the fence down there. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, sir, will do. But that was, that was Baki. I love Baki. He was, he was spectacular. I did too, Mike, and I just wanted to bring it up. And I will tell you one more quick story, which I know your your time is limited, and I want Stephen to have a, to have some time to ask you something. Yeah, uh, Baki and uh, Barney Hall, Eli Go, we were all up in the uh, up in the tower. I got to sit up in the tower, you know, 
prior to you know it was practice and everything here at, here at the Dega because the old gentleman that used to sit up there he uh, he had some heart issues had to have a surgery but he was okay back then but I used to get sent to a little produce stand you probably know where I'm talking about back toward east of Boga on I-20 and uh, Bucky would say he would call me like he called you Vanilla he said boy go get me some in motors I said yes sir they love tomato sandwiches. Mike, I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. yeah, they did. What a crew. Yeah, they were. But anyway, Mike, let's get back to some talk. I want to hand you over to Stephen. I got one last question. Sort of let some of our listeners know that how you got started. You know, you mentioned you were from Salisbury, Maryland, and you actually grew up listening to races on MRN, and I still listen to the race on MRN. I listen to you and uh, – you and Posty, uh, Woody Kane, all of y'all. I'll put the volume down on the TV, and I just love listening to y'all. But sort of let everybody know where you got started. Did you actually start doing like some uh, some local short track stuff, Mike, before you get to, to where you're at now? Actually, I did not. Um, my love for NASCAR, actually, to your point, I was born in Salisbury, Maryland, but I grew up in Milford, Delaware. And, of course, Dover was right up the road from us, about 20 minutes away. And... I remember on Sunday afternoons, you know, you listen to MRN. I actually go back to the old Universal Radio Network days, and I um, I remember listening to the races. We had this shag carpet in, in the den, and I had a box of matchbox cars. And what I would do is I would mat down the shag rug. Well, first of all, I'd, you know, I'd brush it, get all the, all the hairs up, and then I would mat it down in the shape of whatever track we were racing at that weekend. Uh, and then I would put the matchbox cars in formation. Then I'd get the radio, and I'd put the radio on the floor, and I'd lay in the floor and play with my matchbox cars and listen to MRN and move my cars to their play-by-play. Fast-forwarding on, I, I became fascinated with radio, and I used to win all the contests so I could go to the radio station to get the prize just so I could stand in the hall and watch the guy in the booth do his thing. And that led to um, – me doing some part-time work with that same radio station, WAFL, in Milford. And then um, I actually wrote a letter to MRN one day, John McMullen, who was the general manager, and I just said, hey, now this was when I was, gosh, I think I was, a, I want to say like a junior or senior in high school, uh, wrote a letter saying, hey, you know, I'm a big MRN fan. Could I have uh, a copy of the, uh, the cassette of the theme music and – can I work with you guys when you come through this area? Well, I didn't think I was going to get anything back. And all of a sudden I got, got a letter in the mail one day with a cassette tape and a patch. And John says, sure, would love to have you work with us, Dover, Pocono, Richmond. And then, fast forwarding, we got hooked up. I started being a production assistant, started running cables, boxes and stuff. While at the same time, John got me involved in some PA efforts at Dover, Pocono, Daytona. And then one day he called me while I was in the PA booth at Dover. I was doing, uh, I think it was bush practice. And he says, uh, you want to work a turn? And I'm like, um, sure, yeah. What do you want me to do? He says, why don't you come to Watkins <laughs> Glen? Why don't you work the Phase 150? And uh, that was in June of 1992. And obviously they heard something that they liked because I'm still here to, to this very day. <laughs> Bagley, uh, you, do, you do a great job. And, again, uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for them stories. I don't want to keep you too long because I know Stephen Wilson, com has a couple of questions. And I 
I know we got we got Shane Lee coming up here shortly. If you you're welcome to stay and talk to Shane, but if you have to jump off, we understand, Mike. I I, I do have to jump off. I, I got some more time with you, fellas, but I gotta I gotta hop off here. I gotta actually we're getting ready to have a conference call for our show tomorrow. So show show prep for me begins the night before around seven forty five. So and then I get up at four o'clock in the morning to do my show on Sirius XM. So it's uh it's an early night and an early rise first thing in the morning. Amen, Bagley. And again, thank you for taking time out to call in and letting us know. Letting our listeners know a little bit about how you got started. And I'm gonna hand you over to uh to Stephen and I'll I'll let Stephen see you on your way, brother, and I'll see you in Talladega, my friend. All right, sir. I appreciate you. Thank you, Bye. Mike, thanks a lot for coming on here tonight. First question I got for you is, is that we've had a kind of an interesting season already as it is. Um, the, the reigning champion of Furniture Racing has uh, announced that they were going to close down. Uh, Daniel Suarez is obviously out of a ride over uh, Joe Goods Racing. Uh, A.G. Allmendinger today is out of a ride. So we've got some pretty big, high-profile names and moving and shaking coming on this late in the season or late in the season here in 2018, which will definitely change the makeup in 2019. What do you think of the biggest problems right now uh, that the sport is suffering that when when a team like Furniture Row Racing closes down and says, you know, at the loss of a sponsor, um, you know, they just can't afford to keep going? What is the problem I see with that? Is it is that your question? Yeah, what do you what do you, what do you see the problems facing the sport that you know would would bring a team like that and, and, and start moving the dominoes to you know obviously Suarez being out of a car at Joe Gibbs Racing and you know other other teams making changes of right. of hope of pretty high profile drivers. Right. Well, I mean, as you know, this is a sport that through its successes depends on others' money, meaning. In the case of a race team, if you want to go racing, you, you're more than welcome to pay for it out of your pocket. It's an expensive sport. And more times than not, you have folks that will step up and will help underwrite your effort. Those are sponsors. We hear them, we hear them called as stakeholders and all that. Well, it gets to the point to where some of these stakeholders are forced to make a decision. Like, do we want to continue sponsorship? Do we want to scale back? Well, if we want to continue what do we do? Do we want to sponsor a car? Do we want to only sponsor a half season? You know, so a sponsor either can, you know, underwrite the whole thing, part of it, and then the team has to make a decision, well, can we get money to augment that, meaning another sponsor, which is what we see a lot now in the Cup Series. Um, I think that as we look at what, we, what we've got right now, I think that you have a team in furniture, I'll just use them as an example, that at one point, funded the effort out of their own pocket. Barney Visser went into his own pocket and paid for it, and he says, you know what, I'm not going to do that now. As far as sponsorship and, and, and that, I don't know why they couldn't find one. I don't know what the issue was, why they couldn't procure one. We see sponsors coming and going. We're about to see – We talk about you talk about the, the driver shuffle that we've got going on right now. We've got sponsors that, that are getting ready to start shifting around from team to team. So – you know, it's one of those things to where there are only a certain amount of sponsorship dollars available, and those sponsors decide where they want to spend those dollars. Sometimes they latch on to a driver. Uh, sometimes they latch on to a team. Sometimes they, you know, latch on to 
just just a certain presence at a certain racetrack. So I think right now you have you have a certain amount of sponsor dollars, but yet the sport's contracting and it's trying to reduce its expenditures to accommodate the lowering funds that we've seen over the years. That's where you get the scramble to where Furniture Row Racing is making a decision. You have a, you may have other teams that make decisions as well, but I think that it's all sponsor dollar ratio to actually teams and their expenditures and their right sizing to accommodate that. You bring up a good point about the right sizing and the contracting in the sport, but is it time to float the idea more seriously that the Cup Series and NASCAR runs 38 weeks out of the year? Is it time to cut them down and get them and their championship done by the end of summer, early fall, before people get too, too into the footballs and the pennant races, hockey, and obviously uh, football, uh, NCAA football, and, you know, basketball that's about to come up. So you want the season to end before football starts, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, is it, yes. I mean, is it time that we start contracting the schedule down and condensing the schedule down a little bit more so that we don't run well, 38 or 40, 38 weeks out of a year. Um, well, you know, what, obviously with the, with the reduction. What's interesting is you bring this up right after our last question and answer to where we're talking about where, where's the money going? Why can't, a, why can't a team stay on and it's because of sponsorship dollars? Now we move on to, well, are we racing too long? Do we need to – do we need to shrink it? And that's a conversation that's being had in the sport right now. There is a, a serious conversation about, okay, you know, do we continue on with 36 points paying races, 38 total races when you include the clash at Daytona and then, of course, the all-star race? Well, here's, here comes the challenge with that. If this sport right now is struggling on 36 uh, race weekends, if you pull it back to 26, let's say you lop 10 off, well – TV's not going to pay as much money. Sponsors are not going to pay as much money to sponsor a car for 10 races less. You have that ripple effect of that whole thing, and the question is, can the sport withstand that? Do you ease the sport into a backing off of the schedule and the dates? Because you have to ask yourself, well, if we're going to cut races off, what's the objective? Why are we doing it? Is it not to go head-to-head with the NFL? Is it to save money? What is the primary objective? You know, you you get the objective, and then you work towards that. So if you're trying to generate money, the last thing you do is offer up less product because TV right now is paying the majority of the freight. Well, if you're going to give them 10 less races, then they want to knock 10 races rights fees off of what they currently pay NASCAR, which then ripples through the sport. It goes down to the tracks. It goes down to the teams. So by cutting the schedule, you're taking money out of the sport and I don't know if that's the right thing to do right now. And I don't know how you go about shortening the schedule but maintaining the financial health of the whole sanctioning body. That's the $64,000 question, and that's why we haven't seen it happen because I don't think there's a lot of folks that have a true thought-out and proven uh, scenario that can accomplish all the goals, including you know, keeping everybody financially healthy. So I understand the desire to go to a shorter schedule, but with that comes the peril of less money and the ripple effect that that creates going all the way through the sport. 
So my final question for you tonight is, is that how impressed are you with with uh, a driver like Ross Chastain that's now gotten an opportunity to move away, at least for a limited amount of time, from a JD Motorsports into uh, Chick Ganassi equipment? Winning one race, coming in second this past weekend at Richmond, and, and had it not been for an incident at Daytona, uh, I mean, Darlington, he would have won there. Well, I'm very impressed. Uh, I know Ross personally, and I've followed his career ever since when he was in uh, in Florida running late models down there. He's a great guy, and he's one of the underdog stories of the year that everybody seemed to be rooting for. Every every year seems like we get that one underdog story, and you have Ross, who has driven for JD Motorsports, who do the best with the means that they have, and their their organization has been getting better. However, let's be honest, it's not a Chip Ganassi racing. So for Ross to go over there, he went over there and didn't get paid a dime. He went over there free, did not get reimbursed or did not get paid for anything. He just went in there, got in that car, and that allowed him to showcase his talents. And I think a lot of people liked what they saw. Now, here comes the next step. Ross did great with Chip Ganassi Racing. I'm sure Chip would put him in that car next year, but the challenge is sponsorship. Who's going to pay for it? A lot of times these sponsors want certain drivers, and I don't know if Ross Chastain, through his good performances, has now entered into that area to where a sponsor wants to get hooked up with him and then say, hey, let's go racing. As far as his talents and his abilities, I thought he did a great job. He handles himself well. He's a great young man from the west side of Florida down there, and uh, now we'll see what goes next. He said the other day, that if nothing else happens, his, his life is complete, it's fulfilled. He's a winner in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and he has no problems going back to J.D. Motorsports. After his race at Darlington, the first place he went was to the 4 and the 01 and the 0 teams and checked on them and all that because he's got a vested interest there too. I think he's done a great job. He's handled himself quite well, and I hope he gets that big ride and we, continue, we can continue to see his, uh, his talents be showcased up front. Mike, I appreciate you taking time to come on here tonight. I know you got to cut out of here. Um, before they let you go, tell us what's coming up on uh, SiriusXM NASCAR this week and where everybody can follow that on social media. Again, thanks a lot, and uh, hope to see you to track shortly. Well, I appreciate that. You can catch us tomorrow morning. We're having a big special tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. We're going to be partnering up with the NASCAR Foundation and Feed the Children. We're going to have uh, a one-hour telethon. We're going to try to raise some money. Uh, and help the NASCAR Foundation out and get some help down there to the folks in North Carolina, South Carolina, all the folks that were affected by Hurricane Florence. You're going to have drivers coming on. You're going to have team owners. You're going to have racetracks that are going to pull together and send some relief down there. And then, of course, on social media, if you want to follow along, I'm on Instagram and Twitter, the Mike Bagley, B-A-G-L-E-Y. Thanks a lot, Mike. You have a great night. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Take care. Appreciate it, Mike. Mike Bagler from MRN, uh, Sirius XM NASCAR Channel 90, the morning drive there with Pete Pistone, uh and also NBC Sports. You know, he's been doing some of the some of the TV stuff there with uh, Dale Jr. and them doing all that. But, uh, Stephen, just talk a little bit about it before we get our next guest coming on. Mike, Mike did mention that shortening the schedule – like the question that you adorned to him there, shortening the schedule, trying to – and to let our listeners know uh, what Stephen's talking about, uh, college football. 
uh, everything comes on toward the end of our sports season, and we're getting into our prime time. But Mike did say, Stephen, yeah, he said he don't know what the answer for it is because you got sponsors, you got a sponsor that comes on, he wants to run more races, and it's the it's the money deal. And just like Mike mentioned, he don't know what the fix is. Just like I knew where you were going with that questionnaire to uh, to uh, Mike Bagley, but uh, I don't know what the fix is either, Stephen. I mean, you know, the fans want shorter the shorter season to. I mean. I don't know, but then again, Stephen, if you're a diehard true race fan, in which I'm a diehard Auburn fan, if there's a race on, I'm going to watch that race over that Auburn football game. And I know you, I'm not going to uh, answer for you. I know you're a big Florida State fan. And I don't know if you're going to watch that Xfinity race on a Saturday or that Cup race on a Saturday night over the Florida State game. That's just. We got a way out the opposite, and I don't know what the answer is for it, brother. You and I talked about it. Well, we just got Mike Bagley's opinion about it. He don't know either, so uh, I don't know, brother. Well, I mean, you know, it's it, it's a it's a product in which you have to create demand for, and that's the way that I kind of look at this. Uh, let, let's just take you know, uh, let's just take Las Vegas, uh, and, and I'm going to use them, and I'm going to use te- uh, and I'm going to use Texas in this example. When each of those tracks had one race, they they were they were putting you know nearly a hundred thousand fans in Las Vegas and what is it about one hundred sixty thousand or so fans in Texas. Well, Texas got a second date and they started. They, half the fans would go to one date, half the fans would go to the other date. They had a choice. They were still making about that. They were still bringing in the same amount of fans. But the revenue wasn't changing. It wasn't going up. They just split the revenue. However, the track has now got double the the cost of running two events. So if you had the same amount of fans coming there and you split them and no more income is coming in, but you're doubling your, your, your expenditures, then at some point you're losing money onto this. Um, you start losing money. Let's take uh, uh, Las Vegas. We we just saw this. Las Vegas was the first one in the in the playoffs this year. Um, you know they they had maybe forty or forty five thousand people that showed up to this. Last year they were plugging somewhere around ninety ninety five thousand uh, ninety to ninety five thousand fans at one rate. So now what they've uh, what they've done is is that they've split the fan base, and the more choices that you have, the more options that you have the more that the fan is going to go out there and figure out which one is the best option for them. But the track expenditures stay the same, they, they, and, and, and they go up, um, even though that they're not getting any more fans coming to the track. So there's no demand at the end of the day. And the more options you have, the less demand there is, the less urgency there is to sell tickets or buy tickets from the fan because they, they know that they're, they've got more options the longer the season, the more options a fan has to go to the racetrack. They have 38 chances per year to go to the racetrack, and in many of these racetracks, they're going there twice, sometimes three times in Charlotte's case, where they run three um, three NASCAR Cup Series event weekends, or Daytona, where they have three NASCAR Cup Series events. Um you know the fan has. Uh, I mean, the sport has. So the for, the sport has to get to a, to a point where there's urgency on the fan base to buy tickets, and by sp- 
splitting the fan base and giving more options, um, that decreases that urgency because they have the options available to them. Um, and, and we've seen this, unfortunately, again, in all sports. And I'm just not picking on NASCAR with this. But in order to cut, you know, where we would cut races from, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. I'm not smart enough to have an answer to that. But I understand the points of, you know, revenue versus expenditures and the more um, the more options you have or as a fan has, the more they're going to have the options to pick where they want to go and when they want to do it. Um, there's no sense of urgency. And for, for a Texas or a Las Vegas to have one event, it created urgency on the, on the fan side. They knew they only had one time they could go to this race. It's like Darlington. They know one time per year they get to go there. So there's an urgency because they have to buy tickets. They have to uh, you know, spend more time at this racetrack because they know they're only going to get to go one time per year. That's right, Stephen. And let's welcome in our next guest, driver of the number three, uh, Richard Childress Vineyards, Chevy Camaro, tongue-tied Shane. Hold on there, brother. Driver, Mr. Shane Lee, driver Richard Childress Vineyards, Chevy Lee, Chevrolet in the NASCAR Finish Series. My good friend, Mr. Shane Lee. Let's bring Shane in the pit stop. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble. Shane, how you doing tonight, bro? I'm doing good. Sounds like you got a little tongue-tied right there. I did, Shane. I was trying to listen to to Stephen. Stephen was talking about some stuff. We had Mike Bagley come on, and uh, Mike wanted to actually stay on and ask me some questions, but he had to go. They got to get their their pre-radio stuff for in the morning, and I was listening to Stephen, had my mind on you, and and, and all that. You know how it goes. But anyway... (laughs) No, it's Thank all you. good. Congratulations. Congratulations on that P nine there up there at Richmond, brother. Quilling the hell out of it with you, bro. Oh, we were trying to. The car was I mean, really, really good on the long runs. We just gave up a little bit too much on the first thirty, thirty five lap runs. The last half we were really good and ran down a lot of good cars at the later part of the stages. Just gave up a little bit too much time the first half of the race to really get back up there, but now that last caution, we got to come in and put new tires on, and we actually lost a couple of spots because we got a little tagged and went back to like 14th and came back to ninth in the last 15 or so laps. So it was rolling pretty good on the at the end after the last couple of adjustments. So P9 is something to hang our hat on, something to build on. And first week that we got to run back to back, so that would definitely help. Not running once a month. Yeah, that's right, Shane. Shane, I'm going to throw you over to Stephen Wilson, SpeedwayDigest.com. We sort of try to swap up. You know, we had Mike Bagley earlier, and I and I went first. I'm going to let uh, I'm going to let Stephen Wilson, SpeedwayDigest.com, have you for a few minutes, and I got a couple of questions. I know your time's limited, but uh, whenever Stephen gets done, we I'm going to let him throw you back over to me, and then we'll 
We'll, we'll let you get out of here, bro. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Shane. Thanks for taking time to come on here tonight. Talk a little bit about, you know, your your career or, you know, this season in your career in the Xfinity Series. Um, you know, you, you've run – You've run a handful of races uh, on a partial schedule for Richard Childress Racing. How does that uh, how does that help you to provide improve your talent so that you can move on to a full time a full time ride? Yeah, you know, the first couple of races being so spread out was really just to get a feel for the car and then spend a lot of time with the guys during the week, just knowing everybody. And then we've had honestly really good top seven or eight cars about everywhere we went if it wasn't for the exception of bad luck but these last I'd say six or seven races that I get to run that's pretty much in a row are definitely what we're shooting for for the most experience and see how good we can really run once we get in the rhythm of working together every week besides the Roval I'll pretty much be in it till the end of the year and, and how does it prepare you for for a full time ride uh, you know that you're that you're obviously looking for uh, as a driver in NASCAR. No, I think if we got the, the chance to run the full time ride, it definitely helps to be in the car and getting acclimated with everybody. Then a lot of these tracks, I mean, you run I think 13ish races, which a little less than half of the schedule. So I've hit a pretty good bit of the tracks. The only one I've ran twice was Iowa, so I'm getting to see a lot of tracks that I haven't never been to before. You get your notes and stuff on them, and I think it really helps if we get the chance to run them again next year than having your notes and stuff from last year, what you look for, what you need to know going into it. That's definitely probably the one thing that hurt us this year. Every track I've been to besides Pocono and Iowa, I've never seen before, so I'm having them, the two 45, 50-minute practice sessions you get. You only make – you might only be on the track for 15 minutes of those by the time you go out there and run in, so you really – having to learn the track really pretty much really quick and then a lot of it comes just what you can learn off the simulator and what your guys tell you and teammates tell you. You come from a background at Hickory Speedway. Uh, a, a lot of drivers that, you know, have raced in this sport have been through there and a lot of drivers that are on their way to the sport are going to come there in the future. How do, how does How do you think Hickory Speedway, um, you know, as a track, is something that has produced an amount of drivers that we've seen in NASCAR. How do you think it's preparing them for their next steps in in their career? Yeah, I think it's got a lot to do. I mean, it's a pretty difficult track to get around. There's a lot of people that can win about anywhere than come to Hickory and struggle. It's just got a lot of character to it. The track's rough. Got a lot of tire wear, which the tire wear part definitely probably played into our effect or why we were so good at Richmond. It just had a little bit of better tires on the longer run, which is something I probably learned from Hickory is just how to save tires a little bit better when we didn't have a tire wear problem. But Hickory, there's a lot of good people that come through there that pretty much go anywhere and run good or win races. What do you, well, what's, what do you think the hardest part is driving a, an Xfinity Series car? Uh, the downforce part definitely coming from the Arches side, having a lot of downforce coming to the Xfinity side. It's just these mile-and-a-half high-fast tracks. It's a different feel that you feel the whole time. Like, the back end always feels a little light, even though you got pretty good grip, and it's just 
not really that it's loose. It's just a field deal that you have to get used to it. But that's probably been the biggest difference for me. The short track stuff, you don't really feel it that much. And Bristol and Richmond, about the two short tracks I ran, and we ran top ten in pretty much both of those. We ran top five at Bristol that whole race till we blew a tire with ten to go. But the short track stuff, it feels pretty similar to the ARCA deal. It, Well, Shane, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna hand you back over to uh, Tim. Good luck in the rest of the season, and um, you know everything that you got going on there. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Stephen. Shane, you had mentioned Iowa. Uh, you know, over your eight starts this this year with Richard Childress racing in that in that number three Xfinity Series car. You've uh, you've run fifteen hundred and seventy seven laps. You completed ninety nine point one percent of them. You had six laps led there at, at Iowa Speedway. Can you talk a little bit about Iowa? How you actually took on to Iowa there? You know, Iowa's a sort of a what we would call a flat track, but just talk a little bit about how everything went there at Iowa versus this past weekend at at uh, at Richmond. Which I I know you had that P nine finish. Just want to talk a little bit about that. Seemed like you had a good car there at Iowa, bro. Yeah, I was one of those tracks that I got to run in the ARCA series, and I actually qualified on the pole and led the most laps, a little over half the race until we got down to the last pit stop and had a little bit of an issue there, and it cost us a pretty had a chance at a win in that race. And it's just one of those tracks that ever since I went there the first time, I liked it. And going to the first Xfinity race, I actually had a little bit of – now, that I ran to Iowa. We didn't run that good, but we had a little bit of issue with the brake deal with pretty much maxing the rear breakout, which made it terrible getting on entry. But we fixed that for the second race, and we qualified, I think, eighth-ish, which is pretty good. We ran the top five or six of the first half of that race. We ran top 10 or 11 the whole race, and then had we tried a little bit of a pit strategy there at the end, going as long as we could to see if we could get our tires at the end and be sitting in a really, really good spot, and then it just didn't happen and we had to pit and end up losing a lap and we was the first car on the dang lead lap if another caution came out and we just never got the lap back and Shane if I can I want to come back to my home track here at Talladega Super Speedway I was very fortunate to interview you after your qualifying run and uh, you and I were standing there talking and I think Fox Sports was wanting to interview you also and uh, I was watching the uh the uh, tree and just sort of let some of our folks know about this 2.66 mile monster here at Talladega when I was fixing to interview you you were P1 on the board and it ended up you know not like what I started my interview with you so uh but you had a great car here at uh, Talladega and can, can you talk a little bit about the restrictor plate as far as what you and Richard Childress and the number three car have going on as far as these plate tracks coming up uh how do you stay on top of that? It was just sort of a sort of a weird weird deal, I guess. Same when I was interviewing you, bro. Yeah, it's definitely the whole RCR organization, the restrictor plate stuff, the super speedway stuff. It's definitely one of our strong points. The motors are good, the bodies are good. It's like, I mean, Talladega, we had a. I think my teammate actually sat on the pole for that race, and I think we started fifth or sixth somewhere in there. But the cars have plenty of speed there. And at the end of the race, we was actually, there's another one of the bad luck deals, pushing the 23 on that last restart when he got the lead. And 
we started missing for fuel and lost all of our track position. But there in the Daytona July race, those tracks that we were running, I think, third with two to go there. And it definitely doesn't help to have the rookie stripes on there with two to go at Daytona. That sort of hung us out. We ended up finishing sixth there. But the whole RCR organization, the Super Speedway stuff, is definitely a pretty good strong point, as you can see with Austin winning the Daytona 500. And Shane, can you let us know, uh, are you going to be driving any more any more times with Richard Childress and the Childress Fingers number three car this this coming season? And do you have any plans for next year? Just want to ask that question, bro. Yeah, we got a couple more this year with them on it. The, well, actually, we don't race the Roval. I'll be back at Dover and most of the remainder of the track with the Vineyard. But as far as next year, we haven't started working on none of that really for next year to see what's open or available and just trying to really wait to see how these four or five in a row goes and see what happens from there. And Shane, are you going to be in Homestead? Are you going to race the three in Homestead uh, this year for the finale? Supposed to. Nothing changes will be there. Sounds good, brother. And, Shane, I want to thank you very much for taking time to come on tonight with Stephen Wilson and I. And before we let you jump out of here, we let every, every driver that we have come on. Uh, you want to thank anybody that has let you get to where you're at right now, which, uh, you know, you're in the top series there, brother. Congratulations. Any sponsors you want to thank, you got the floor. No, yeah, and definitely got to thank Richard Childress, all the guys at RCR, the uh, – Dang, the crew chief and the engineers for pretty much teaching me everything they had. The children's vineyards, my parents, my marketing guy, Jason White, and just everything. I mean, it definitely takes a lot to make this stuff happen. We're running the second series, even though it ain't the full deal, just getting any races in the three car, definitely a pretty big opportunity. You got that right, brother. And Shane, again, thanks for taking time out to come on our show this night. I know tonight. I know you got a busy schedule, but uh, congratulations on that P nine uh, on that P nine finish this past weekend at Richmond at Stevens home track up there. And uh, don't be a stranger, brother. And if uh, which I know y'all, I, I know I won't see you at Talladega because we got the trucks and the monsters and the Cup Series here. But anyway. Thanks again, Shane, for taking time to come on, and uh, we definitely want you back on whenever you have time, brother. We appreciate it, and good luck the rest hey, of the season. We're no problem. Race. No problem. Uh, sorry for calling late. My uh, kickball game ran a little longer than I thought. <laughs> That's all right, brother. I know you had you had texted me that it might be a little bit long, but uh, I just wanted to shoot you that little message. But no, Shane, you're fine, brother. Like I said, be uh, safe. When you, when you... And... <laughs> Go ahead, Shane. I'm sorry. No, I was say, when you texted me, call you, I was trying to find your number back on the Facebook messages. <laughs> but it's all good. We got it. All right, Shane. I will uh, I will send you my uh, cell number. That way I can text you whatever, brother, because we, we definitely want you back on. We want you to make it. We want you to be a big star there in the National Race Spending Series. And we'll get up there in the Cup Series, brother. But, again, thanks again for taking time out to call in to Timmy Spanish Stephen Wilson. We appreciate it, brother. Thank you guys for having me. Sounds good. You're welcome. See you, Shane. See you. Be safe, brother. Stephen Wilson, Shane, lean there. 
driver of the number three, uh, Cheryl's Vineyards, Chevy Camaro, and that's great fantasy. Uh, you know, that's another one. Like, you know, you and Mike Bagley talked about Ross Chastain. That's another gentleman there uh, with Shane. You know, Shane started out in the ARCA series, too, and he's worked his way up. I mean, you know, you put that young man in the number three car, I mean, you know, he is he is doing awesome, too, brother. I mean, you know, he's brought that car up. Uh, he's been in sixth there at, uh, at Iowa Speedway. I think he led six laps. And, you know, we got a lot of young drivers coming up. we got a lot of older drivers that are stepping out. But, Stephen, where are we going to put them, brother? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, right now it's a, it's a hard place to find some of these, uh, where to put some of these drivers at. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it's, it's hard, I'll tell you that. Um, there, there's a lot of drivers that can come in right now. Uh, but, you know, they uh, – or, or in the sport right at this moment, but they just unfortunately there's just, there's just not a whole lot of places or a whole lot of uh, whole lot of places to put them. Yeah, you got that right, brother. And before we jump out of here, uh, I know we've had a long night. I want to thank uh, Mike Bagley from uh, MRM Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90 for coming in. I want to thank Shane Lee from uh, Richard Tudor's Racing for taking his time out to come on too. Uh, driver the number three, Richard Shooter's Vineyards in the National Expanding Series. Stephen, is anything uh, anything we need to get out? I know we had some breaking news. Let me back up. I had mentioned earlier, uh, we got some breaking news out of Junior Motorsports. And I don't want to put you on the spot, but I, I think Noah Gregson is going over to, over to the number one car. Am I correct? So he's he's gonna he's gonna race um he's gonna be next year in the number one car filling the slot that Elliot Sadler had been in. Yeah, that's right. I wanted you to get that out there. But anyway, uh, like I said, I want to thank Mike Bagley. I want to thank Shane Lee and all of them. Uh, Stephen, thank you for being a loyal co-host. I couldn't do it without you, brother. If I had to do it by myself, uh. I don't know if I could. And I, I feel really comfortable doing it with you, and I want to thank you for doing all that. And I know you and AM, y'all are coming down here to Talladega. Uh, just uh, give a little bit of in, information update. Suzanne and one of her good friends have been upstairs in the house there cleaning up stuff, straightening up stuff, got y'all's bedroom ready, uh, cleaned up the the uh, bathroom upstairs that I hadn't been up there in uh Probably six years since I had this hip replacement, but uh, well, I don't know where I was going with that. But <laughs> anyway, Stephen, let everybody know where you follow you on social media. Let everybody know where you follow you on social media and your website, brother. You got it full. Um, you you can follow me at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook dot com forward slash Speedway Digest, Speedway Digest dot com. Uh, I got Nick Olson. Um, that's going to be there for me as well as Matt Jackson this weekend at the uh, first Roval race, and you know uh, the first Roval race. That's right, Stephen. And uh, I jumped a little bit ahead of myself. Uh, I'm going to take up some slight for you because I know you work your butt off. Uh, <laughs> I got the uh I got the T V time and uh radio times for uh 
like you mentioned, the Charlotte Rover all-time by Eastern. Friday, September 28th, Monster Energy Cup Series practice, 12.05 p.m. to 12.55 p.m. NBCN has your TV. Xfinity Series, first practice, 1.05 to 1.55 p.m. NBCSN has your TV. Xfinity Series final practice, 3.05 to 3.55 p.m. NBCSN has your TV. And in the Monster Energy Cup Series qualifying is at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time from the Roval. PRN has your radio. NBCSN has your TV. Stephen, would you like to finish it, or do you want to finish it? Uh, no, I'll let you go at it. You're doing good. <laughs> All right. Thanks, brother. Sound, sound a little bit like Stephen Wilson. Stephen Wilson does a hell of a job doing this. <laughs> I don't do nothing like Stephen does. All right, Saturday, September 29th, the Monster Energy Cup Series second practice is 11 a.m., 11.50 a.m. NBC Sports out has your coverage. Xfinity Series qualifying Saturday, September 29th. 12.10 p.m. CNBC. Now, mark this down, listeners. CNBC has the TV coverage. So they're they're sort of flopping back and switching out. And the Xfinity Series qualifying is at 12.10 p.m. on, again, CNBC. Y'all got to listen because they're swapping all that back. Monster Energy Cup Series final practice, 1.30 p.m. to 2.20 p.m. CNNBC has your coverage. Then the radio pre-race, 2.30 p.m. PRN has that. TV pre-race, 2.30 PRN. 2.30 p.m. Sorry about that. NBCSN. And the Xfinity Series Drive for the Cure 200 is at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on NBCSN. And then Sunday, September the 30th, radio pre-race is 1 p.m. on PRN. TV pre-race is 1 p.m. on NBC. They got your coach of the Monster Energy Cup Series Bank of America Robo 400 at 2 p.m. PRN has your radio coverage and NBC. We're going live on NBC so everybody can watch it on NBC Sunday, September 30th for the Bank of America Robo 400. Stephen, any last thoughts before we jump out of here, my friend? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it should be an interesting weekend out there to see how this Robo um you know how this rover works out. We've seen a lot of crashes, a lot of torn up race cars, a lot of backup cars being rolled off in all the practice sessions. So um, the Xfinity guys, they really haven't seen this track at all. Um, so it'll be interesting. Amen, brother. And like I said, uh, tune in to uh, check out speedwetdaddyish.com. There's so much stuff there that you can, you can get. Uh, Stephen keeps everything up to date on his website, and uh, I try to keep all my stuff up to date, but sometimes I have to work. But anyway, Stephen, LAM and the boys, we said hello, and we will talk to you next Tuesday night from Dega Nation. Again, I'm Tim in Spain alongside SpeedwayDigest.com, Mr. Stephen Wilson, and good night from Talladega, Alabama. Yeah, you think you're gonna catch your beat.
Then, Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.